0: The last few weeks in our small groups, we've been doing a little bit of an interesting study as we've been looking at different verses, um, trying to what God says our mission would be. And, And in looking at those, we're trying to develop our own, the church's mission statement. And so if you've been a part of those, I mean, I, I know I've found it very interesting as we go through the studies and how Tom is able to pull some things out of those, those verses for us that, quite honestly, I've, you know, you look at them and, and you miss some of that stuff. And then sometimes someone gets a fresh pair of eyes and, and you look at it again and you see some different things. And, and that's the, the beauty of Scripture is that as we go through it, each time we read it, we find different things. We find things new, or at least I do. I find new things in Scripture all the time, things I didn't see before. Even reading passages over and over and over again, I still find things that I didn't see before. So, you know, as we did this, I, I started thinking about, you know, we're looking at this for the church, but then we are the church. So each of us individually are called to that great commission also. You know, that we have a, a part in, in that Great Commission. So, you know, in the Great Commission, it's just found in Matthew 28, um, starting at uh, verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, you know, just from that alone, you can see there, there are some commands there where to go, where to teach, where to baptize. But Jesus also, in, in other places, you know, told us some other things. Um, in the book of Acts, he, he tells the apostles to, as they go out, to start in Jerusalem that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So, you know, putting all this together, it's like, okay, our, our Jerusalem would be Riverton, but what about us as individuals? Your Jerusalem is your neighborhood. And, you know, I, I chose um, in John 4, 3 for the verse... Um, 35 through 38. Do you not say that there are four months, and then comes the harvest? You now, we're, we're coming up on harvest time, like I was talking with the kids in the garden. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for, the, for life eternal. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together, for in this, <clears throat> for in this case, the saying is true: one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did, you, which you have not labored; others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. <clears throat> so Jesus is is talking to the apostles here. They they had gone into Samaria, and, and if you go back and and will look at this um here in a bit but he he's this is the the story of the woman at the well that he meets and he's telling his disciples you know because just before this they were they were arguing about where did Jesus where was Jesus getting his food you know we went to town to get something to eat and he's not eating where is he getting his food and Jesus you know says my food is doing the work of my father and so he's, he's looking at, at this, and, and there's a bunch of people coming out of, out of the city toward him. And, and in that day, they would have been wearing white garments, probably some white on their heads. And when Jesus said, look up, for the fields are white for harvest, he's telling the disciples, look, open your eyes, look at what's right in front of you. And how many times, I I know I'm guilty of this, but how many times do we not look and miss what God has put right in front of us? Those opportunities to share the gospel with people and because we're so involved in our day-to-day lives that we don't take the time to stop and look at what God is doing. As Christians, we, we come alongside of God to do ministry, But we have to be aware of what's going on. You know, the idea of going doesn't mean I get to sit in my living room and watch TV. You know, because the neighbors aren't going to come to me. I have to go. I have to get up, and I need to go out into my neighbor neighborhood. You know, how many of us here can say we know at least one of our neighbors? How about two of your neighbors? Three? Four? How many know everyone on their block okay i I don't know everyone on our block I, I I you know I'll admit that I do know most of our neighbors right around us but you know and and it's that going and, and starting conversations with people and I and that's tough for for all of us and especially in today's society you know people are so closed off and, and we you know everybody thinks you're you're after that you're after something. I mean, how many of you guys have a cell phone and how many spam calls do you get a day? You know, people want something. And I, you know, we're trying to give them the best thing they could ever have, yet we have to do it in a way, we have to find a way to be able to talk to those people and to have them understand what it is we're trying to share with them. Because, you know, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, we all had a little bit of a, of a moral foundation in this country that we could all, when we talked about God, everyone knew who we were talking about. When we talked about Jesus, most everyone knew the Jesus we were talking about. Today, that's not the case. We can be talking about God, and, and there's a multitude of gods that we pe- could come to people's minds. So we have to get very precise in who we're talking about with those people. So that idea that, that um, you know, we can just go up and start a conversation with people. Sometimes we have to take a step back. And like Jesus did in, in John here, when he met, met the woman at the well, um, he started the conversation by saying, give me a drink. You know, and and I'm going to jump back a little bit here, but the thing I find most interesting about this whole thing is therefore when the Lord, and this is starting at chapter 4, therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than, than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing but his disciples were, he left Judea and, and went away again into Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. Samaria. And if you know anything about the Jews and the Samaritans had to pass through Samaria as a Jew, did not happen. They never went through Samaria. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along, and that, that's stating it mildly. They hated one another and and they both followed the pentateuch and and those things but they had different spins on on some of the the verses when it came to the messiah and where things started so they they really did not like each other so for Jesus for this to say Jesus had to pass through samaria they would go well out of their way to not go through samaria so i'm sure the disciples when you know, they're walking and they're going, oh, we're going through Samaria. What's wrong with him? Why would we do that? They just didn't. But Jesus, had, you know, he had a reason for his going to Samaria. And, and part of it is, you know, when we think about the command as right before Jesus' ascension of, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the world. Samaria was listed as one of those places, and it's right there. It's nearby. You know, To get from one place to another, you, you had to go through Samaria in a lot of cases. So Jesus was saying, we need to go to these people too. We need to give them the gospel. So Jesus goes, and he, he, um, they walk through, and, and they stop at a, at a town called Sychar, and Jesus and his disciples, the disciples go in to get food, and Jesus is sitting by a well, and the woman comes out to the well. And you know, how many times do we get opportunities to strike up conversations with people we don't know all the time? How easy is that for I there for some here, it's very easy. I've seen I've seen some guys that you can. Strike up a conversation with anybody it's harder for me to do that i I have to find <clears throat> something in common with that person to really strike up a conversation other than just walking up you know hi, how are you? oh I'm good oh good thanks bye you know that that's about the limit of my conversation in just talking to a complete stranger so um but Jesus. You know, he starts up the conversation here. Give me a drink, and the, and the woman who comes out, she's coming out during a time of the day. It says it's the sixth hour, and so it's a time of day when there's not going to be anybody at the well. It's it's probably during the hotter part of the day for for them, and so she's going there. So right away, there are certain things that if you if you're looking and you would observe there there's things about this woman that, that stand out, that she doesn't want to be around the other women in the community when they come to get the water. And, and as we go through the story, we find out why that is, that she has a past. <clears throat> um, so we need to, to you know, be, be aware of those situations around us. Jesus knew the heart of this person from the get-go. We don't. We don't know the heart of these people when we come up. But we can start conversations and, and truly listen to what they're saying, and those answers will give us some indications as to where they're at in their life. Are they, you know, are they a spiritual person? Do they, do they already know the Lord and maybe aren't living that way anymore? You know, okay, <clears throat> opportunity to pray and help this person get back into right fellowship with, with Jesus. Maybe they, they've been exposed, maybe they were exposed as a child, but never really accepted Christ on their own, okay? Now you've got some background to go off of, there, there's some common ground, they they probably know some scripture, but again, it's just taking that time to, to explain to that person and, and bring them in into fellowship with the Lord. And sometimes we don't have time to sit there and lead that person, but... As a community here, if I if I come across someone and I know Alan knows that person too, I can let Alan know that, hey, I talked to this guy, you know, you've probably talked to him too. Shared the gospel with him the other day, you know, and and Alan can follow up then too. So we we can that's that piece where um at where Jesus is inviting others into the harvest, into the work, into the labor, um, where Paul Paul said it, where uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So as the conversation goes on, Jesus said, "Give her, give me a drink." And um, she she first says, "How is it you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink?" And that was the other thing. Jews and Samaritans didn't carry on conversations, let alone a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman would not have carried on a conversation at that time. They would have, um, that just wouldn't have happened. So Jesus just even talking to this woman at the well was breaking all kinds of, of their traditions and protocols, I guess you'd say. Um, and, then, and then Jesus says, <clears throat> if you knew the gift of God and who it was who it was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So right away he he takes something that this woman has to come for, she has to come for in the heat of the day, which is water for her house. And he's saying, if you'd asked me for a drink, I would have given you living water. A well that springs up inside of you that you wouldn't need to drink anymore. And, and of course, the woman's thinking of her physical need. Jesus is speaking to her spiritual need. But it's, that it's, it's the way that Jesus is using this conversation to get her to realize that she is a sinner, that she does have a spiritual need. And that's one of the things we have to do quite often in, and especially in our, our society today, where so many people, you know, I I don't know if you've had the conversations with people where they would, you know, are you a good person? Yes. And and you go through the conversation with them. And, and then it usually ends with, well, if God's a loving God, I can't see where he could send anyone to hell. You know, and, and we have to get them to realize that, yes, God is a loving God and he sent his son to die for you, but that you are a sinner. And he is a just God, and he will not let sin into heaven. So, if, you, if you're a sinner who's, who's not accepted Christ, doesn't matter how good your life might be, you're not getting into heaven. And then Jesus tell, tells the woman to go call her husband. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have correctly said that you have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are with, who have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. So the first question she, she'd asked Jesus is, you're not, you're not greater than our father Abraham, are you, who gave them the well that they were sitting at. Now she comes back and she, she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Well, if Jesus said something to you that, you know, no one, unless they'd lived there, a perfect stranger came up and told you something about your life that that very few people know, you'd probably sit there and go, yeah, this person's probably a prophet, you know, because God talks to prophets. So Jesus, <clears throat> um, again, takes it one more step here. And our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the people the Father seeks to be his worshipers, God is is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus here tells the woman that he is the Messiah. And she knew, she, you know, they they had studied scriptures. They knew the Messiah was coming. And so she goes off into the city. Um, But before she leaves, the apostles started coming back. And they were amazed that Jesus was even talking to this woman. Um, And again, for lots of reasons, I'm sure. But they... They would, she goes into the city and starts to tell those in the city about Jesus and what he, what he had just done to her. There's a man out there who, who told me of, of the life I've been living, that all, all about me. So Jesus shares the gospel, the good news with this woman. This woman now goes into the town and is sharing with the men in the town. And some are believing her and some have to come out and see for themselves who this man is. And then that's when we have that big crowd of people coming out that Jesus says, look up, you know, to his his disciples, look, the fields are white for harvest and the fields here in Riverton are white for harvest. We just have to look. We have to be paying attention. We have to see what God sees. We have to see things through God's eyes at times. Help us help us to see the way you see there and you know be aware of those around us and in our community and and in in our place of work. You know, we have opportunities and conversations that we strike up and and do we do we get chances to share the gospel with people and we don't. That we just don't take that step and go forward with it. We need to be bold like, like the disciples in, in, in the early church and share the gospel with those and, and not be worried so much about what people might think or say about us, but that we're doing, know that we're doing God's work, that God has called us, God has placed us here. God has placed us in Riverton, Wyoming at this time for a purpose. God has placed us in this church at this time for a purpose. You know, right now we're working on, on a mission statement for, for our church. But as Tom and, and Stan have said, the mission never changes. The mission is something that should apply to all churches. And, and it, the mission is go and share the gospel with Jesus. That's pretty simple. It's harder than it, than it seems, though, when we actually get out there and start trying to share because we get tongue-tied sometimes, we, we get nervous, um, we, we allow other things to come in and, oh, man, what's this guy going to think of me if I do this or you know, if I, if I say, say something? But what we have to remember, like Paul said, we're just planting a seed. We're just planting a seed. I think sometimes we worry too much about the fact that we have to do this perfectly and we have to get, present the gospel in a way that that person understands it right there and comes to faith. And we don't. We just have to plant a seed. Someone else can come along and water and always, always remember God is the one who causes the harvest. God is the one who brings those people to salvation. It's not us. It's not what we do. We're just a part of it. You know, we're, the one who plants and the one who reaps can rejoice together then when those people who come, come to the Lord, when we're a part of that. We can all rejoice together that a soul has been saved. You know, in this, in this case, Jesus is inviting the apostles to join in the harvest that he planted just moments earlier with the woman. He had planted that seed with her and she went in and spread it to the men in the, in, in the town and they came out and many were saved from, from that. But Jesus is inviting the apostles here to be a part of that harvest and Jesus is inviting us to be a part of the work also. Go ahead and pray. Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for... Um, your love, and your gospel. Father, we just pray that as we go forward in this process as a church, you would just guide and direct us, help us to uh, develop our mission and vision statements, Lord, and, and Father, just help us always be aware of, of the work that's going on here in Riverton, Father, and just all the churches that are, that are involved here in Riverton, that we're all sharing the gospel message, and we just pray that that message would go out and touch as many lives as possible. Father, we just uh, thank you for calling us to be a part of this body at this time, and we just pray that you would continue to guide and direct us. In Christ's name, amen.